what is happiness? Is it just a smile on your face or a chemical reaction in your brain? Can you make yourself be happy? Are happy people smarter? My guest today is a happiness expert and the founder of the Happiness Hall of Fame, which has some expected and surprising inductees. Stick around for a good talk about why happiness matters. The Culinary Libertarian Podcast, episode 179. Welcome to the Culinary Libertarian Podcast, where the philosophy is free, but the food is on you. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy to have you here. Happy to be here. Whether you're grilling or roasting or smoking that meat, don't overcook your butt. You need to know when it's done. Use the number one chef-rated instant read thermometer from ChefTemp. Use my affiliate link, culinarylibertarian.com slash ChefTemp. See the selection of thermometers for your smoker or instant read thermometers for in the kitchen. CulinaryLibertarian.com slash ChefTemp. My guest today is Mike Duffy, happiness expert and founder of the Happiness Hall of Fame. Mike started the Happiness Hall of Fame to recognize and celebrate people who make others happy. Mike's day job, so to speak, is the CEO of Happiness Wealth Management, and he has over 27 years in finance, where he teaches fundamental money management and philanthropic giving. Hello, Mike. Thank you for joining me today on the Culinary Libertarian Podcast. Dan, it's a true pleasure to be here. Well, I'm glad you think so. I, I, I'm happy you're here. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to make a pun, but I just did. So before we get into our talk today, we're talking about happiness. And I, 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 have, a, I have a lot of questions about happiness. Uh, give us a little bit of your background and what has, why happiness is your stick. Sure. Uh, well, I am the author of five books on happiness. I've guest lectured at Stanford University. I've got a TEDx talk. I'm making a movie called Wisdom of the Happiness Hall of Fame. I am the founder of the Happiness Hall of Fame, which includes Muhammad Ali, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, the Wounded Warrior Project, San Francisco Giants, Golden State Warriors, Steph Curry, on and on and on and on and on. Um, I have been truly obsessed since the age of 17, when my mother passed away of cancer, it only took three months, on how to have greater success, happiness, and resilience in my life. The purpose of my life is to help other people get happier. And my happiness formula, Dan, is purpose plus progress equals happiness. When you are fulfilling your purpose, that's when happiness shows up. And that's true sustainable happiness, not a fleeting emotion. All right. So 
that seems to at least bring up one question, which is, are there kinds of or types of happiness? Well, you know, there's there's different kinds of yes, absolutely. <clears throat> now remember, happiness is an emotion. So you can feel what I call peak happiness. And that's what I encourage everybody to strive for. But it's always a horse that you got to get back on. Um, you know, you could just you could be at peak happiness and then somebody says something to you incredibly rude or something disappointing. And then all of a sudden you've got, you've got to say, Oh my gosh, how do I get back to happiness? So it can be swift. Um, But when you have multiple things working in your life, now all of us have multiple purposes in life, right? So I, you know, one of my, greatest purposes is to be a great husband to my wife, Shannon, to be a great father to my two kids, to be a great financial advisor, to be a great speaker, um, and on and on. And the more that you have working in sync at the same time, the greater joy that you can feel. And the more that they're out of sync, the worse you feel. But, you know, that's the plate spinning we do as human beings. Right there's so you mentioned joy is is joy a kind of happiness is it a separate emotion entirely and well let's start with that that seems like a a good bite you know i it i i put it in a separate category um but they're they're related you know they they really are related Joy is more of a, I would say, like a tidal wave of an emotion. Like you're just, oh my gosh, the joy that you have um, versus, you know, I'm happy right now. I think it's it's more of a overwhelming emotion when you describe yourself as being in a state of joy versus being in a state of happiness. I, I define happiness as a state of contented excitement and i i describe joy as just an overwhelming wave of positive emotion it's kind of like kids on christmas morning that's just it's <laughs> your my cup overfloweth with joy yes. which in in five minutes can turn to bitter rivalry because your presence is better than mine but that's yes that's another issue and that's so there's i, I want I'm, I'm glad you defined happiness, but I'm going to ask you to define what does contented mean. I think contentment is, is a state of emotion where all is right within you, where enough good things are going on to counterbalance the bad things. You're content. You're not envious. You're not filled with anxiety, right? And Anxiety and happiness cannot fulfill and be in the same space. You can't have worry. And and here's the dilemma that we're faced with as humans. Even though we are modern man, we still have caveman brains. So a lot of times people say to me, I wish I could stop all these negative emotions coming at me, these negative thoughts, you know, money, work family responsibilities, 
our caveman brains were set up so that we didn't walk off a cliff, so that we didn't walk into a tiger den and stand there and watch. So we get thousands of negative thoughts on a daily basis. You can't stop them, but what you can do is have the discipline to ignore them and stay on purpose. That's why purpose is so important. You know, you could, let's say you're at work, your phone rings and you pick up the phone and it's a client that's angry at you for some whatever reason it is. I always encourage people, if they can at their desk, to have photos of their loved ones, whether it's children or somebody they're in a relationship with, because then they can distract themselves and look at the person that they have a love relationship with and stay on purpose. Say, you know what? I'm taking this negative phone call and I'm going to stay in peace because I'm doing it for them. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. It sounds like you're explaining the creation of compartmentalization mm-hmm. of well, we kind of keep it easy of of your emotions and also an awareness of how you choose to respond to those emotions because the 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 the, the thing that could be anger inducing doesn't have to be that's right um it, it or or it it might be but how much anger you decide to spend on it is is kind of i think a personal choice and you can decide to get really really angry or boy this makes me mad now how do you puzzle through getting through this thing because you got to walk through the weeds all right let's walk through the weeds we can make it easy and get through it quickly or we can make it hard and get stuck and poked and so I, I think that, yes, I think that it's what you're saying is there's a decision process for each person. I think part of, well, there's a couple of things. One, the last two years have happened. And I think a lot of people have, if they ever had any uh, emotional awareness skills, they've probably been destroyed the last two years because they've been forced to do things they would prefer not to do. And that's probably really hurt happiness in in the big scheme. Um, you have a view on that. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, life is a contact sport, so you got to put your hand <laughs> on, right? And, and change happens whether you want it or not. But what I tell people is you need to plan for peace. When you stay in peace, Dan, you stay in power, okay? Um, Now, one of the later inductees into the Happiness Hall of Fame, one of the recent inductees, is a sports psychologist called uh, Dan Elko, Dr. Elko. And he has a thing. Now, he's responsible for 30 championships between college and the pros. So for that great Eagles Super Bowl, Um, where they beat the Patriots, he was hired that year. Alabama, he's worked with over the years. Miami on the turnaround, um, you know, and he's got some, some great advice. But one of the things that he talks about is in your life, you will have hard times. During a football game, there will be hard times. You may be down 21 to nothing. 
Uh, so you say, so what, now what, right? But in your life, you want to stay in peace. And he uses this example. Let's say you needed to meet somebody on the East Coast at one o'clock on a Friday. And the ticket that you can only purchase has two stops in order to get there. Would you just get on that plane during COVID times when there's so many cancellations and roll the dice for something that you absolutely have to be there knowing that one of those flights could be canceled? Or would you leave a day or two early, right? Obviously, if you had to be there, if your life depended on it, you'd leave two days early. So you need a plan for peace. Um, and you have to have realistic expectations that life can be difficult, right? COVID came out of nowhere and all of the negative consequences as a result. Um, but when you have that forward-looking vision, okay, I'm about to go into a challenge, right? You can say problem or you can say challenge. I always look on the positive. What steps do I need to take in order to come out with a victory? Well, it's a good plan. And as as a as a as a cook, former cook, one of one of the skills of the job is I mean, no one knows the future, so you plan. And so you have if you're the cook setting up a station, you cut enough mushrooms so at eight thirty when it's really busy, you don't have to cut more. Mm-hmm. So it takes you, it's spend another minute at three in the afternoon cutting mushrooms when it's easy to do, or five minutes clearing space, slowing down the whole line, making people at the restaurant wait because you didn't plan. And that's a, it's, that's not as important as making a flight to meet somebody for an important reason, but, but, but planning for success, even on small levels can make things turn into really big deals. And at eight 30 on the Saturday, it turns into a really big deal. So just, I, I don't, I don't know how many people, I don't know if it's a skill and probably on the job people learn that skill. I don't know if that's a skill people learn every day in life. I'm trying to teach that to my kids. Just you know, think you know, uh, one of the slogans in the restaurant business is work today for tomorrow. You're going to cut mushrooms, cut two pans of mushrooms. They're not going to go bad in a day. So I think there's, there's something about planning for success, planning to planning for peace. Um, the, the, the piece of the chef not yelling at you for not being prepared is certainly something you want to avoid. I'm telling you, I was the guy doing the yelling at one point. Um, in, I, th- I think, and I know that I do this, it's easy to substitute immediate satisfaction for happiness. Getting a nice big bowl of my favorite ice cream with all the beautiful toppings on top. Well, that's really, that. I don't know if that's actually happiness, but it sure feels good. Is there a... I don't know the words endorphin or some sort of brain thing happening in a deeply contented, happy person that isn't the same as the person who is immediately satisfied, but maybe isn't happy. Well, you know, 
I'm a look, I'm a financial planner. I've been helping people make most of the money for 30 years. And the most successful people in terms of financial success are the people that put off self-satisfaction today for the ability to not have to work anymore or to take life on their own terms financially at some point down the road. That's very difficult for our caveman brain to comprehend that there is a tomorrow, right? Because animals have no tomorrow. That's what separates us from animals. We have imagination and we have planning skills. Um, So, you know, studies show, scientific studies show that people who have the ability to uh, postpone treats, you know, there's a famous marshmallow study uh, with children You can have one marshmallow right now, or if you delay that for half an hour, you can have two marshmallows. And, um, you know, only half of the kids will will put it off, you know, and that's, that's a lot of people. A lot of people really struggle with a delay of satisfaction, but studies show that people who can delay their satisfaction will be more successful down the road. There's, uh, as you're saying that, I'm reminded of uh, an Austrian economics concept of high time preference and low time preference. And uh, it sounds like what you're saying is that lots of us, and probably all of us with whatever those things are that are, (laughs) that we value very highly, very urgently, bowl of ice cream as an example, we, we change our high and low time preferences, but in, in your world of finance, being able to delay that gratification for, well, I, I guess a possible future reward is nothing's ever certain, right? The portfolio is always safe. <laughs> I don't remember what the future, past performance is no guarantee of future That's success. Right. Absolutely. Um, so you did mention your TED Talk, and I watched that TED Talk, and I like that TED Talk. Thank you. And you're welcome. You mentioned early on in this conversation, the purpose-driven life. Well, you said something different, but that's what I got from that was purpose. And now this is, an, I'm going to put you in a really awkward spot and ask you, how do people find purpose? T.D. Jake says, if you're having problems finding your purpose, look at your passions and your passions will lead you into your purpose. So when I, when I founded the Happiness Hall of Fame, one of the greatest humans to walk the earth over the last hundred years is Mother Teresa. I would have loved to inducted Mother Teresa into the Happiness Hall of Fame. However, she had passed away before I started it. But what I could do is I could induct her legacy. So she started the Missionaries of Charity, which are all around the world. And I was surprised to find that they had a convent in San Francisco. So I called up the Mother Superior there, and I said, I would like to induct you into the Happiness Hall of Fame, and we'd like you to come down. We have our annual event at the Stanford University Faculty Club, and, you know, it's a big party. There's 300 people. You would be able to talk about not only what Mother Teresa did, but what you're currently doing 
to serve the poor in our community. And she says, we can't do anything um, without permission from India. So let me see if we can do this and I'll call you back. So three weeks go by and I get a phone call. She says, we can accept the award. We've done a background check on you. However, we cannot come to the event because we'll be filmed. And not only do we take a vow of poverty, but we are not allowed to be photographed. You see, our motto is all for the poor. To insert ourselves personally and to get recognition for our work is not what our organization is about. So if you would like to come up to our convent, I will accept the award from you but you can't take a photograph of me with the award. So I said to my daughter, who was nine at the time, I said, Kendall, in life, it's important to associate with people that are amazing. And I want you to meet these amazing women who dedicate their entire lives. They only get to see their family, but once a decade, all for the poor. So we go up to San Francisco, I have the award, and I brought up two dozen very fancy cupcakes, very expensive. I wanted the nuns to have a nice dessert that night. And I handed the Mother Superior the cupcakes and she opens them up and she says, oh, these are beautiful. She says, our friends on the street will really enjoy these cupcakes. And I don't know, Dan, but have you ever had a word or a phrase that changes your life? When she said, our friends on the street, the scales fell from my eyes. And all of a sudden, I stopped seeing homeless people as people down on their luck. And I started seeing them with friends. That gave birth to the Happiness Hall of Fame homeless outreach, where almost every day I go out and I add to my friends on the street. And I pray with them right there on the street. I support them financially. I write down their names. Zig Ziglar said that the sweetest word a person can hear is the sound of their own name. So when I go out in the mornings, I, I'll walk down the street. Hello, Fred. Hello, Diana. They hear their name. They know that they have a friend. So what I really would impress upon people a thousand years ago, St. Augustine said, it is in giving that we receive. When you wake up in the morning, the first question that you should ask yourself is how can I be a blessing to someone? When you live your life with that being your North Star, you will find happiness. You will find greater purpose. You'll find gratitude, which is incredibly important in terms of happiness. When you realize if you break it down, instead of focusing on what you don't have, dwelling in the world of envy over houses, over money, over cars, over relationships, and you break it down to, today I have the ability to walk. If you can't walk, you can say, today I have the ability of conscious thought. There are people that have dementia, that don't have the gifts that I have currently. So that's how I tell people that they can gain a greater sense of happiness in their life, to live in gratitude and to be a blessing to others. 
I think that's fantastic. And I, it's interesting that uh, a, a recent guest on the show and a digital friend of mine is a copywriter, but he's also very focused in on, uh, he's, he is aware of how fortunate, I want to say luck, because it wasn't luck, it, where he, he labored for what he has, it wasn't a gift, but he's aware of how fortunate he is, he's, his story is well known, he's a, he's a college drop, uh, no, high school dropout, got tattoos on his face, and he, he cat makes bank, that's all there is to it, um, because he's doing what he likes to do, but in all, many of his posts he's talking about, the blessings he has and paying them back and having a heart of gratitude. Mm -hmm. And there's, it, 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 there's a lost, well, maybe it's bold. There's a lost world to at least Americans. And that's all that I know because I live here of, of a connection to time and a past. And that sounds you can almost hear the new age music coming up. It's like, what's this guy talking about? And I, I accept that that does sound kind of strange. It does sound kind of weird. It's a little Alan Watts, but at the same time, I think it's right. I think there's something to that. Um, but that's probably for another show. In, in the talk of happiness, um, sometimes you can see it. Someone's walking down the street with just... It's almost like they're not touching the ground. It's like, wow, that person's having a great, great day. Mm -hmm. And some person doesn't do that. But happiness isn't always a smile on your face. A smile can conceal so many things. And it doesn't mean that you're happy. It just means that you're smiling. Uh, is, can, it, it does, I guess the, there's, there's a couple of things here. Does happiness ex push out other emotions? Does it, does it mask or diminish or minimize what else you, someone's feeling? Yeah, well, first of all, studies show that happy people are successful people. They live longer. They make more money. They have uh, a greater chance to be married. Um, so, and, and the other thing that I, that I think you're trying to get at here is you need to choose to be happy. I would encourage everybody that can hear the sound of my voice, if they have the time and some money, because usually these, these courses aren't very expensive, is to continue their education by taking adult education courses, Two of the greatest courses I've ever taken were at Stanford University that anybody could take. They're adult education, continuing education courses. One was, was taught by Dr. Laura Delazana, who's on my board of advisors. She's from Stanford Medical School. And she taught a class called Choose to be Happy. Eight weeks long, two hours. What did she talk about? You got to choose to be happy. Well, this happened and I'm not, you know, I got laid off. Oh, really? Choose to be happy. Why? Because science shows happy people are successful people. Do you want to stay in a land of pity, in the muck and mire, 
of self-pity. Is that a good state of mind? Will that attract the people that you need um, to have love in your life or will repulse them? It will repulse them. What's the opposite? Choose to be happy and you'll get what you want in life. The other course I took was the most powerful course I've ever taken. And the title of that one was Failure. It was a course on failure taught by one of the longest tenured Stanford professors, a very old man. Uh, He came to Stanford in the late 50s from Wisconsin, a social psychologist. And it was very easy. It was two hours. We were teamed up in groups of four. And he would give us a task that was very difficult. And at the end, we had to present. But what was most significant about that course was we had to decide on what we were going to do before we met again the next week that had a significant chance of failure. And we had to state that to our group of four, our accountability partners, which I would I have five, I actually have six accountability partners in my life. So get an accountability partner if you want to be successful. And then report in the next week. Do you know that over that span of eight weeks, I tried things that I could have failed. I never failed once. But the sad story that I have to report is that most of the people that I was in group with did not try. And they said, oh, you know, I got too busy this week or it just it was too much. I I didn't want to face that. And here they had the perfect alibi in case somebody called them on it. Like, well, that's kind of an odd request. What you could preface it with, you know what? I'm taking this crazy class on failure. I'm forced to do this. So if you could help me do this, blah, blah, blah. It was perfect. You never get that excuse. And I I think back and I I feel bad for those folks because they had the opportunity to reach the goals of their dreams and they didn't do it because they were too scared. Don't be afraid of failure. It's the irony of you failing at failing is kind of funny. Took a class on failure and didn't fail in your tasks. Yeah. It's amusing. It's not, it's not, it's not a great insight. It's just linguistically, it's kind of funny. Um, Michael Jordan, who I'm a big fan of, and whether you like him or not, it's hard to argue about his success as a basketball player. And um, there's these little shorts on Facebook that, and I tend toward the basketball ones. And somebody was saying, oh, um, that Jordan had, I don't know, eight or 900 attempts at the last minute shot of the game. There's 0.1 second on the clock and he takes the shot. And of those eight or 900 opportunities, you only made 149 of them. Don't only, I mean, so he missed a lot. He failed mm-hmm. 70% of the time, but 30% of the time ended up with seven rings. So there's, there's, there's something to the story of being willing to risk, take, take the chance. Um, I want to stay on that for a minute on the failure part. And I think, for the for the people who who lose a job, lose a spouse, lose a child, lose a pet, whatever happens, that's a, a really really big thing to deal with. It's not like you didn't you burned your dinner. Okay, big deal. Fix that. Something really major. 
can introduce a tremendous amount of stress. And, and, and that's, that's a real hurdle. And saying, just be happy, focus on the good, when the first reasonable thoughts are, how am I gonna, how am I gonna pay my rent? How am I gonna put gas in the car? How am I? Those, those are real concerns for real people and focus on the happy doesn't seem like the intuitive first place to go. How do, what would you say? How do people let, feel that emotion? I think there's, well, maybe I'm wrong, but I think there's value in feeling the feeling. Negative or positive, work it out. Because I think if you suppress what would be considered negative thoughts and let them sort of stew they just get bigger. They just turn into giant demons that are really hard to slay. How, how do people manage trying to consciously be happy in the face of adverse events? Sure. In the death of a loved one, it is okay to go through the grieving process. I think that that's important, right? And there are other deaths outside of that death of a career right but you have to understand that you have to choose to be successful in this life you don't get an award for greatest pityer <laughs> okay don't 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 you know that's not an award that you want to receive i i subscribe to the belief that if you want to be successful in life you have to get on that horse as soon as you possibly can that is life. So what? Now what? Okay. So think about it this way. If let's say a football team was down 21 to nothing at the half, have you ever seen a coach come out and say at halftime and say, folks, I want to thank you for coming out. But as you can see, we're completely outmatched. Why don't you just get a good, uh, Exit on the traffic, right? We don't want to keep you here to this torture chamber. Clearly, we're terrible. No, you play to the end and you play as hard as you can, just like Michael Jordan. We're talking about Michael Jordan because he played to the buzzer, regardless whether he was up or he was down, right? That is success. If you want to be a failure in life, it's very easy. If you want to be success in life, it's very easy hard. Do you want to be happy? Then you have to choose to be happy. Do you want to be successful? Then you have to choose to be successful. And that's it. Life's a choice. It is indeed. Well phrased. And you got it out of that pickle pretty well. It's not a pickle. It's a very easy decision. You know, look, well, we've yes. all been down. We've all been down. The reason why I'm speaking to you right now is because, what, as I said, when I was 17, I lost my mom. A very happy kid became very depressed. So I understand people that are depressed right now. I've been there. But I chose to get a degree in psychology. Both my parents had a sixth grade education. They were Irish immigrants. There was no money at all for therapy. Plus, in the early 80s, only people went to therapy were crazy people, right? So it wasn't an option. So I said, okay, how can I climb out of this pit of despair. 
I got a degree in psychology. I read all the scientific literature on success, happiness, and resilience. I associated with successful people. Um, and, and that's how I have manifested the life that I have right now, because it was all through choice and hard work. I did notice the uh, Princess Bride reference, by the way. <laughs> Let's take a moment out for a word from Jake about his Tasting Anarchy podcast. Hey everyone, Jake here, host of the Tasting Anarchy podcast. Join my co-host Mason and I each week as we explore the world of wine and alcohol through a liberty lens. You can find us on all your major podcatchers, tastinganarchy.com or Tasting Anarchy on Twitter. Tasting Anarchy, your wine and liberty podcast. Find out how much government is in your drink. I feel like we could go on, but I know that there's a limit. So I'm going to move into a short answer part of the show, which is fun for me. And I hope it's fun for you um, because this is the culinary libertarian. We'll talk about a little bit about food of mm -hmm. the five flavors, bitter, salty, sour, sweet, or umami. Which one's your favorite? Sweet. What's your favorite food? If we're in the realm of sweet uh, candy, if we're in the realm of savory, it's pizza. What's your least favorite food? Cauliflower. What's your favorite sound? The sound of my family's voice. What sound do you hate? I would probably say um, screeching tires in an accident. What gets you excited? What gets me excited is uh, taking my dog for a walk. I have a uh, two and a half year old French bulldog and she gets so happy. She literally leaps on all fours vertically off the floor she's so excited it's just to see such joy on this animal like it's it's great that's awesome that's that should be a video on something just probably yeah. like five seconds just that's very cool it's amazing what turns you off uh what turns me off is when people complain what's your favorite food indulgence Ice cream sundae. Good choice. How can people follow your work? And are all five of your books still in print? Yeah. So they can go to, uh, I have a few websites, um, MikeDuffySpeaks.com, if you want to have a public speaker virtually or in person. If you want to learn more about the Happiness Hall of Fame, you can go to HappinessHallOfFame.com. Uh, and you can get all of my books for free if you're an Amazon Prime member. Nice. Well, I will put, uh, so surely you have a page. I'll put the link to the Mike Duffy Amazon page on today's show notes page, which is culinarylibertarian.com slash 179. Uh, the one person I saw, I think you mentioned in the TED Talk, who was, I don't know if the newest, but a recent inductee into the Happiness Hall of Fame, seemed perfectly appropriate, was Dolly Parton. Yes. Uh she sent me a video she couldn't make our event at Sanford University. 
And she said, people ask me all the time, Dolly, are you always happy? And I said, happiness? This isn't happiness. It's my Botox. So she is an American treasure. Uh, she's written over a thousand songs. All the songs you hear her sing, she's written. That's a, I had a thousand songs sounds like a lot. Yeah, she's also given away half a billion books to underserved people because her father was illiterate and she never wanted anybody to have the injustice that her father suffered. Now that I didn't know, though that's that's very cool. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. That's a good on her and good for you for recognizing that. <laughs> if if we can work it out, I'd love to have you back because I think I think there's more to plumb. There's more to plumb about happiness on a on a on a deeper level, if that's all right. And maybe sure. I'm I'm not I'm I'm fumbling over my own words because I, I'm I'm struggling to come up with exactly what it is I'm trying to say. But I think there's more to be had here, sure. uh, and I'd like to pursue that. Absolutely. Well, fantastic. Well, thank you very much for your time today. I do appreciate that. And have a good well where you are, I am. So have a good midday. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on your show, Dan. Thanks, Mike. All right, folks, that's going to do it. I'll add Mike's contact information to the show notes page, culinarylibertarian.com slash 179. I'll also add the Amazon page for his five books. If you are struggling to find guests for your podcast, or if you want to be a guest on a podcast, use Podmatch. Mike is a Podmatch member, and setting the meeting and messaging with Mike was a breeze. I want to invite you to join Podmatch. Surf over to culinarylibertarian.com slash podmatch to see how Podmatch can help you find guests for your podcast. Thanks for listening, and thank you to the Patreon supporters. Find the link to help support the show on culinarylibertarian.com slash support. Rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. Have a good week, and I'll see you soon. See you soon.
Music for the Culinary Libertarian Podcast is provided by Matthew Bankert at mattbankert.com.